0: Once again, let me welcome you to Faith Christian. Glad you're here today. Glad that if you're tuned in online, you're participating with us this morning uh, via the web. Glad that we get to spend this uh, part of your weekend uh, together. Want to mention just a couple things by way of announcement, a little housekeeping. Be sure that we know about this. The big one is two weeks from today, uh, we begin our Summer Together schedule. Uh, That's Memorial Day weekend, just two Sundays away from right now. Uh, We'll be meeting at 10 a.m. in one service only all summer long. Our kids' stuff will be going on at that point. Uh, the, The service will be going on up here. 10 o'clock all summer long. It begins in two weeks on Memorial Day weekend, and that's what's going to happen this summer. So we hope that you are making plans uh, and uh, kind of planning accordingly uh, to be here at the right time beginning uh, two weeks from today, not next Sunday, two weeks from today. Next Sunday, however, is our Graduate Recognition Sunday, and if there's a graduate in your life you'd like to have participate in that, uh, please see Noah or send him an email, Uh, (laughs) noahfcc.com. I work here. I know this. FCCNP.org. Noah at FCCNP.org. That's how you get a hold of Noah and uh, let him know that uh, your graduate would like to participate next Sunday morning in our graduate recognition. And finally, uh, we are making plans for Vacation Bible School this summer. Uh, June 12th through the 15th are the dates, and uh, we are uh, ready to get your kids, our kids, or a neighbor kid registered and sign up for VBS. As you leave this morning out in the atrium, there's a kind of a display set up in the in the corner by the office windows, and on that display you can register your kid, you can sign up to help, we do need lots of helpers, and you can also on the board, there, there's a, a chalkboard there, this mystery is our theme, on the case is the theme for VBS this year. And uh, the, the mystery board kind of looks like a police station kind of thing right now. Uh, on that, there's some tags, there's some supplies, some things we need uh, to pull off a great VBS and to help keep some of our costs down. We're asking the church to help us provide some of these things. So if you can take one of those tags and, uh, and find that item on that list and bring it back with you next week, just help our VBS team get a little farther down the road and prepare, in preparations for a fantastic Vacation Bible School June 12th through the 15th. Well, this month, here in the month of May, we've been in this uh, this series, a short sermon series we've been kind of looking at relationships in our lives, all the relationships in our lives. Now, we're using the, the, the kind of the framework of family to, to trigger this, but the, these, relation, the, these principles that we're going to be talking about and have been talking about, uh, they carry into all of the relationships in our lives, our work relationships, our marriages, our relationships with our kids, whether our kids are still home or they're grown and out of the house, uh, our friendships. These principles, these solid biblical principles apply to all of these relationships and a couple of weeks ago if you were here a couple of weeks ago we began by talking about how conflict in relationships is just gonna happen it's inevitable and we saw that Jesus teaches us to be the initiators of peace in conflict when times of conflict when someone has sinned against you is what Jesus said we go to them and we 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 initiate the peace process but and I I know what you're thinking because you live in reality too But what if it doesn't work, right? What if you've done that? What if you've gone to the person, you've talked to the person, and it doesn't work? What if they said, I'm sorry, Mm, sorry, and they've moved on, but you can't? Or you thought you had dealt with an issue, but now you keep thinking about it and it just keeps coming up in your mind again and again and again, that feeling of these, these hurts, the hurt feelings, the pain, the words they said, the, the pain that they caused the trauma they caused in your life and sometimes sometimes you have the problem of what if they didn't sin against me so much all they did was hurt my feelings they, they just hurt my feelings or or I got offended you know your, your, your kid said something to you yeah you, you, you love your kid but but it hurt your feelings and it stays with you or, or a friend just just stop calling just stop returning your text and you don't know what the problem is and it hurts but they didn't really Sin against you or you know, maybe it was your mother-in-law. She said something to you at christmas And then she just walked out of the room. She didn't realize what she did But man, you were just left in a pile of, of, of just a puddle of flames here because you're still processing What was that all about and and trying to deal with that and it wasn't sin But it hurts And it stays with you and that has happened to me And I know that has happened to you and I know what the bible says That what the bible says that we're supposed to do about that But can I be honest with you? I just don't care for it. (laughs) I just don't care for what the Bible says we're supposed to do about that. And the answer is what the Bible says is that we're supposed to forgive. Isn't that a good church answer? Just forgive. Here's my problem with forgiveness, and you may resonate with this. Forgiveness seems unfair, doesn't it? It just seems unfair because they're the ones that hurt me, and now I'm supposed to forgive them. They're the ones that caused the problem. But i'm supposed to be the one to go to them and talk to them and go through all of the pain of that and forgive them It just seems unfair Now i've heard some of the common wisdom about unforgiveness I've even shared some of this before because there's a couple of these expressions. I really really like Uh, One of them is this Not forgiving is like drinking rat poison hoping that the rat dies That's what unforgiveness does to you. It's it's like you drink the, the poison hoping that the rat dies the idea is that I'm the one having all the pain not forgiving hoping that somehow you have the problem Here's another one Not forgiving is allowing that person to live rent-free in your head And you know what i'm talking about when I you're constantly thinking about them And you're constantly having the conversations in your mind with this person They're not even there but you're having the conversations while you're driving to the car about what you want to say And what you wish you would have said and you're you're you have this imagined conversation and you're winning the conversation because they're not Even there i've done that <laughs> the problem with this is the problem with all of this is all of us carry these things with us these hurts from other relationships we carry them with us into our next relationships or into our other relationships and so the conflict we're having at work shows up in our relationships at the house or the conflict we're having at home shows up with the conflicts we're having or, 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 the relationships we have with our friends and these 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 issues carry with us and begin to splinter out into all of our relationships But recently, I've discovered that there's another thing that could be going on in your life besides just, you know, drinking the rat poison, hoping the rat dies, or letting someone live rent-free in your head. There is another consequence to this this issue of unforgiveness that may be the reason that you feel like your relationships don't really connect right now. A reason why the new friend is just like the old friend, or, or the new marriage is just like the old marriage. Or the new church is just like the old church. And it's this constant, reoccurring thing that even causes us, in our relationship, our vertical relationship with God, to feel like God's not even listening, like we can't even connect with God. We've got this feeling that there's got to be something wrong in the relationships, and that's exactly what's going on. There's something wrong. In fact, what we're going to talk about today, what are the consequences of us carrying around this deep offense And then what do we need to do about it? So i'm going to read you this this morning a moment from the life of jesus this this moment is written down in the book of mark Mark was one of the four biographers of jesus and in his biography of jesus um, He tells us this event from the life of jesus. Let me set the stage. It's about the year it's, it's, It's about the year 32 a.d Jesus has just recently begun his public ministry He's teaching in all these towns around the Sea of Galilee. He's traveling from town to town, teaching. People are amazed by his teaching, and he's beginning to do these amazing miracles, and people are seeing these wonderful things happen. He has calmed the storm. He has uh, cast out demons. He's healed sick and blind people. He even raised a little girl from the dead. These miracles are huge, and everybody's talking about them. There's all this buzz about what's going on, about what Jesus is doing, and then Jesus after he's gone to all these towns around the sea of galilee then jesus goes home he goes to his hometown and you would expect a hero's welcome the home, the hometown heroes come home and you would expect a parade and amazing things to happen look what happens mark 6 verse, verse 1 jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to nazareth his hometown the next sabbath he began teaching in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. They asked, where did he get all of this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? They're amazed by what is going on. And as amazed as they are, there are some people in town, in his hometown, who begin to be not so amazed. And they begin to scoff. That's a great Bible word. Here's the, the next verse. Then they scoffed. They murmured. They you know what that was. That's what they did. They went, he's just a carpenter. He's just the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. Let me tell you what's going on here. First, when when, when they say he's just a carpenter, that word carpenter, what they're saying here is he's nothing special he's just one of us he's just a blue collar guy like the rest of us who does he think he is he's just one of us he's a nobody like the rest of us and then they call him you see this line there they call him the son of mary that doesn't seem like a very big deal to you and me but back then you would never 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 refer to someone as the son of their mother you would always always use the father's name And even though we believe Joseph has probably passed away by this point in time they would still have commonly referred to him as the son of the father's name the son of Joseph but here's why they're saying this they're reminding everybody in town (laughs) remember when Mary was pregnant before she got married Mm -hmm. that's her illegitimate kid Mm -hmm. that's who that who does he think he is we have a term for that in our society a commonly used term we don't say a church but that's basically what they're saying about jesus and they get everybody all worked up about this he's just a carpenter he's just an illegitimate kid and that's when something begins to happen next verse they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him deeply offended that's the feeling that you and i carry around with us in and out of relationships when someone has hurt us or made us mad or swindled us in some way and we're so offended by it it cuts us to the core they're deeply offended by what jesus is doing and who he claims to be verse four then jesus told them a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family and because of their unbelief He couldn't do any miracles among them. Did you ever think there was something that Jesus couldn't do? It says he couldn't do any miracles except, the rest of the verse, to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief i'm now i'm sure the sick people that jesus put his hands on and healed were very grateful but jesus has just calmed a storm and he's just cast out demons and he's just raised someone from the dead and now all he can do is take care of a few sniffles what's the problem here did jesus get his feelings hurt did jesus lose his powers no no no, no. it says here that jesus was deeply grieved and frustrated because they were offended because of their offense because because they were offended he was unable to do any work in their lives john Devere refers to this as the bait of satan is what he calls it the bait of satan and how the enemy satan wants to get a hold of us is to have us grab onto an offense when someone has offended us to grab onto that offense and never let go And John Bevere uses the illustration the story the old story of how African hunters would capture monkeys And they would take a coconut And they would hollow out a hole in the coconut about the size of a monkey's paw And they would kind of put some fruit inside the coconut and hang it from the tree And the monkey would come along and stick his hand in to get the fruit And then make a fist hold on to the, the fruit, but then couldn't get his hand out of the coconut Now, all the monkey has to do is let go of the fruit, and he can pull his hand out of the coconut, but the monkey will never let go of the fruit, and thus he is trapped, and the hunters can come and capture and kill the monkeys. That's exactly what happens to us when we get offended by something, and we hold on to it. The enemy has us trapped. And Jesus says, when that happens, I am unable to do what I want to do in your life Now here's what I know about you and here's what I know about me Most of us are carrying around something right now That is causing us to be stuck in the past And causing god not to be able to work in our lives the way he wants to Maybe for you it's something that your spouse said Maybe for you it's something your ex-spouse did maybe for you it's a comment that one of your kids made maybe for you it's it's friends they, they didn't tag you in the photo or they didn't invite you to something maybe it's a boss maybe it's a coworker maybe it's your church something happened and it just made you bitter and upset and frustrated and you can't let go of it i heard about a couple of pastors They're they were at different churches, but in the same town, and they were having coffee together, and they were talking about people in their church, and they, they figured out that one family was had, had gotten mad at church A and was leaving church A to go to church B, and at the same time a family at church B got mad at church B and they were leaving church B to go to church A. All the same time, and they're talking about this, and one of the pastors said this: You know, some people they get offended and they put on their offended glasses, and then everything they see offends them. Isn't that true? we get offended by something and suddenly nothing can go right the problem with that is not only will we not be happy anywhere we go not only will we transfer that offense into every other relationship that we're a part of not only is it like drinking rat poison hoping the rat will die but jesus says when we live with offense it limits the work of god in our lives and that may be right now Why you feel distance in your relationships And why you feel you cannot connect with those you love and why you feel god is far away from you So what do we do about this? Well, let's go back to the passage that we read a couple of weeks ago from the apostle paul that says this romans 12 verse 18 If it is possible As far as it depends on you Live at peace with everyone now. We talked about this quite a bit two weeks ago Here's what he's saying if you weren't here He's saying you've got to be the initiator of peace You've got to be the first one to go and apologize if you've done something wrong If you if you're the offender you go and apologize you state the reason that you're offended You be the one to deal with it. That's what paul's getting at here. And then it's up to them Once you go it's up to them. They can accept your apology. They cannot accept it They can offer an apology. They can walk away, but you go as far as you can To get this done to initiate peace and some of us say I did that and they're fine but i still hurt they moved on but i'm still offended so what do i do now well let's look at what paul says in the very next verse he writes verse 19 do not take revenge my dear friends. Now, I love that Paul knows our exact thought process here. He knows exactly what we're thinking, right? Now, this word revenge in this, in this context, the original word revenge does not mean what we commonly think, that sinister, evil, villain, revenge. That's not what he's getting at. This, this revenge isn't even a good country song where you know, you're gonna get your truck and your shotgun and your dog and go, no. That's not even what's going on here. This is not even external revenge. What this word means is it's, it's like an internal celebration When something bad happens to them and you know what I'm talking about it's not you going and slashing someone's tires it's you driving by them in the rain and they're out changing one of their tires and you're like ha ha you deserve that that's what this is he says don't do that don't take revenge don't celebrate at their misfortune because if you live this way you will never live in peace he takes it a step further he goes on continuing verse 19 but leave room for god's wrath for it is written it is mine to avenge i will repay and this is where we're like yes now we're talking bring god's wrath upon them and we've pictured god up in a cloud like zeus with thunderbolts we're to just zap them down we're like hey god let me help you aim let me show you right where to hit this guy now we're picking the spots for god but that's not what this means god's wrath is not necessarily like that but rather the truth that sin has consequences And when people sin against us, they've hurt God's kids, and there will be consequences for that, just like when we sin against people as well. And we've been hurt, we've been there, and there are consequences for that. Here's what he's saying. Leave room for God to do that. Don't try to do this on your own. Because when you decide... god god God, i i got this god i got this i'm gonna exercise my revenge on this person what you're doing is you're moving god out of the mix and now not only is god not able to bless your life he's unable to bring about the consequences in their life because you decided you knew better than god when it comes to god's wrath let god do what god does and you leave room for him to do it and i know what you're thinking (laughs) because i have thought it too God's not getting around to this very quickly God needs to pick up the pace a little bit on this guy here's the problem when we decide to step in and be the ones that execute revenge or to be so offended and to hold on to it we are boxing God out not only from not only their relationship with him but our relationship with him. And God says, and here's kind of the big question, will you trust that God will take care of this situation better than you will? And if we're just talking about revenge, (laughs) who's got the better arsenal, you or God? You know, if there's anybody who knew about the desire for revenge, it had to be Paul. This guy who writes this letter in Romans that we just read. This guy had been thrown into prison. He had been left for dead. He had been beaten. He had been tried to be killed several times. If there's anybody who should be saying, I want revenge, it would have been Paul. But yet Paul's the one who's able to write these words. And he says, when it comes to that offense that you carry around and you hold on to and you so desperately want to get back at them, you've got to get over it or else God will never work in your life. So what do we do? When we're holding on to that bait of Satan in our life, what do we do? Now, I don't want to sound like a Disney movie here, but if I can quote Elsa, we got to let it go. we got to let it go. Now, I know the pushback. That is really, really easy to say at church on Sunday morning, but you don't know what they did. And if I forgive them, they're gonna do it again And they're gonna get right back in my life again Hold on, no, no, this is important Forgiveness Does not mean that you trust Them again Forgiveness happens in an instant Trust Could take a lifetime Forgiveness is all about Grace But trust is about work on their part And yours Forgiveness is about your responsibility Trust is theirs Let me say it like this forgiveness is god's path for us to find peace and forgiveness is exactly the way that god dealt with us because of god's love for us he was able to forgive all of our sin and jesus says if i can do that surely you can let go of that offense from somebody else but as long as we hold on to it we limit what God can do in our lives and in theirs. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Our communion team will go ahead and take their places. As we enter, to, in, enter into a time of prayer this morning, I'm going to, just going to give you a moment to practice that step of letting go. As you bow your heads, and just, I think every one of us is, is probably thinking of somebody or something. That you've been just hanging on to. So let's have a let it go moment together this morning. And I wanna invite you right there where you're seated, with your eyes closed, your head bowed, just take your hands and put them out on your lap. And I want you to make a couple of fists, just as tight as you can, like you're holding on to something you don't wanna ever let go of. Because this is kinda what we do. And just make that fist as tight as you can, and I'm gonna lead us in a time of prayer where you can just release that and let it go. So let me start with a group of you who may have just, maybe you've just never surrendered your life over to God. And the thing that you're holding on to the most is your will, your desires, your plan, your life. Maybe today's the day that you decide, I'm ready to give my life over to Jesus. I'm ready for Jesus to be the leader and the forgiver of my life. And if that's you, just quietly, right there where you are, just pray these words jesus i am giving you my life i'm asking you to be the leader and the forgiver of my life and i hand over my life my will my desires i hand it over to you and that's you just open your hands just release that feel the pressure release out of your arm. Maybe some of you right now, you're holding on to something that somebody did to you or something that somebody said to you or something that somebody didn't say to you. And you've been holding on to it for weeks, months, maybe even years. Would you just quietly pray these words with me? God, you know what it is. God, you know who it is. But today, I'm choosing to let it go. They don't owe me anymore. And God, I can do that because of your forgiveness for me. God, would you work in my life again? I trust you to take care of them. Now just open your hands. Feel the release of your muscles in your your hands and your arms. God, there's a sense, an incredible sense of freedom right now in this room. Many of us have let go of some stuff that we have been carrying around for a long, long time. We want to be free, God. You have set us free. And so we want to live in that freedom. God, would you grant us that ability to just walk in your peace and walk in your grace? We thank you for your forgiveness for us. And we celebrate that now as we come to our time of communion. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.